from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. Yes, I am Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer. Hello, hello, hello. And, of course, the legendary James St. James, editor of the Wow Report. How do you do? Um, <laughs> all right. Um, says here, summer's just starting, um, but we have June gloom in L.A. But hopefully it won't affect the show. <laughs> well, for those watching on YouTube, the June gloom has affected my lighting because I usually face the window. So anyway, just I apologize for the shadows of my smile. <laughs> oh, that's, okay. that's an album title, The Shadows, shadows of My Smile. Of my, yes. <laughs> Let's start the countdown number 10, Tom. Number 10. I would jump in, but I'd rather tiptoe into the subject. First, has anyone, including Blake, has anyone seen the Idol premiere, the Idol, the TV show on HBO? I want to. I'll, I'll give it a chance, but I've heard it's bad. So, James, did you see it? I watched it, yes. And I wanted, I, I, I hate watched it because I don't like The Weeknd. I'm not a fan of The Weeknd. Um, I love The Weeknd song, who now goes by Abel Tesfaya. Tesfaya, yeah. I think. Yes. Tesfaya, yeah. Um, and it's by Sam Levinson, the same person behind Euphoria. Of course, I never watched Euphoria because I was so afraid of watching too much drug use. Well, that, this is this is the thing, Tom, because I'm so, so shocked that you would watch it. This does not seem like it's something you would do. This is, well, this is I had a succession-free Sunday. It was just <laughs> me and the cats, and we were going through a rough patch around, you know, HBO time. And so I clicked on the TV. I wanted the next thing to happen. And also, you like it? Um, I want to like it. There were parts of it that were really interesting and really good. And, you know, the the star... Lily Rose Depp, it's really something to look at, isn't she? She's sort of fascinating and interesting, her face. And I love the opening where she's just giving all these poses, very subtle poses, but very exacting poses during a photo shoot. Um, the a wonderful Troy Sivan is in it too, doing the mm-hmm. best in- American accent. That I didn't even know it was him. Um, Hari and- Neff is in it as well, yes. yes. And there's a lot of really talented people. It did not feel like a wham home run of a first episode right it feels like you need to spend more time with it and yet and it's getting criticism by people who think it's you know they say this word in the show so i'm not being too irreverent that it's a little rapey you know (laughs) that it that it doesn't have the right sensibilities for today and to that i say but things are rapey today you know i mean like I think these are still stories worth telling about show business. She plays, you know, kind of like the new Britney Spears. She lives in a world where there already is Britney Spears, but she's like the next one. So there's a lot of comparisons to, and she's, it's, it's alluded that she's been through some kind of mental illness. She's lost her mother. She's sort of unstable and she meets the weekend uh, and they have kinky sex. Now here's the other thing. Is the weekend the weekend though? No, he's no, he, he, no, 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 no. He's I'm just, just a character. Yeah, he's a character. He's this, you know, broody thing. And 
a lot of it rang true. A lot of it was funny, but then it's like kinky sex in 2023. I think I might be too old. Cause I'm like, it's supposed to be, Oh my God, it's so taboo. At one point he puts like a red robe around her face and she's panting through satin. And then he takes out his knife. What's going to happen? And he cuts a little hole for her to breathe. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I'm just, Hello, again, that Tuesday, that's a typical Tuesday night for Tom. And this is me and the kiddies. Um, no, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I'm always, well, again, I've seen too much. You know, we have porn now. So it's like we see every kinky thing you've ever wanted to see. And then and then we're supposed to all be so, and I guess we still are as a culture, but we're supposed to be so upset and scandalized by sex. And it's like, can't we talk about sex? Can't we show? I don't know. So there's a couple of things going on. Thematically, I support anything they want to do. But there's something, um, The weekend. I keep calling him by The weekend, But his character is super unlikable. First episode. But right. it's um it, it's going to be interesting to see. They spend a lot of money on the music. They play a lot of um, a long Madonna track, and they play some Prince. And I don't know. I, I hear because Leland is friends with Troy, and Leland says that he has seen the whole thing. And there's there's episodes coming up and scenes coming up, so I might keep checking in. But what, what it's part not. Does, um, what part does Troy play, and what part does the weekend play? What what are our roles? The weekend plays a club owner DJ kind of thing who she, after a day of like her doing her music video and posing for pictures and showing her tits, even though the, the, um, the intimacy uh, guardian is saying that it's not in her rider. She can't show her nipples. And so her manager uh, uh, played by Hank Azaria with a new, new accent uh, has him locked in a bathroom. People are saying it's very kind of like the director's hate of censorship and sexual uh, 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 censorship and whatnot, but Troy plays. She it's all about a, a, a sort of an isolated star surrounded by her friend. Everyone who works for her is kind of her. The young people are her friends, and Troy is one of those people. It's kind of like her stylist, her creator. You know, the person who visualizes things for her. And then there's all these old people, the record label lady and the manager, and these kind of like praying adults that seem to just. <laughs> you know, be this sort of vulturing and circling around and, Oh, Oh, here's okay. Now I'll give viewership. And the big, the big storyline is the same day. This is all happening. A picture of her pops up on, on uh, Twitter where she has ejaculate on her face. Yeah. The, the, wait, wait, yes. is this is in, in, yeah, in, it's, in, it's, it's a story. It's a story in the idol. The, the storyline is that there's a Bukaki picture of her on the starts going around the internet. How could I? How could I? You know, not lead with that. I don't know what I'm thinking. And what's wrong with that? Again, I'm not. And my favorite thing is they're all like trying to hide it from her, and she can see they're talking about her and all this kind of stuff. And then it, they finally tell it to her, and she says, "Well, it could have been worse." And everyone's like, "What?" And and but I love that I love that attitude. Well, it could have been worse. It's <laughs> art imitating lie. Yeah. yeah. But 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 Tom, are you going to keep watching? I just because of Troy and because of interest that things people have said, I'm going to keep dipping in because I now have this new big Sunday hole left by somebody somewhere and the succession. And until it's filled, I may be checking in and and I, I will keep you posted if it's something to keep you posted about. That is the idol on Max. I tell you, I think it's a very Max show this week, by the way. Um, lots of things on Max. Uh, James, number nine. Number nine. Number nine on Max. Coming soon to Max, HBO Max. Um, 
Uh, the Stroll, a new documentary, the trailer dropped this week um, by our friend Zachary Drucker, a good friend of Theron Smothers. Uh, Zachary is a trans um, icon who uh, um, used to do the door at Shits and Giggles. Used to do the door at Shits and Giggles, yes. that That's how Zachary got her. That's, <laughs> that, that's where, where she made her name. Um, this is about, it's a documentary about the meatpacking district in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the mostly black trans sex workers who worked the stroll. And Zachary and filmmaker Kirsten Lovell have rounded up a lot of the survivors, the people, the, the, the women who um, worked there, and they all tell their stories. And it is, uh, it is funny it is harrowing it is there is it is you know the johns the 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 violence the drug use the struggles the the this and the, that the stories with the police and the mafia it just sounds fascinating you haven't seen it is it coming out is it out no the trailer is out the trailer is out and the trailer goes from very very funny wicked 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 funny paris is burning funny to just I mean, it's serious as a heart attack. I mean, oh, I'm it's sure just, it's harrowing. It yes, yeah. But real life stuff. I don't know. I'm a sucker. That's I. I will, I will watch that. That sounds. And you know, I lived in the meatpacking district then in the '80s. I lived in that that um, triangle building on Hudson and Ninth, right there above Jay's and Hellfire. And um, I have many, many stories <laughs> of you know the girls out there. Well, I Zach- once put my clothes into a garbage bag and went into a club in the basement of that building. Yeah, that that, that was probably Jay's, Jay's or uh, Hellfire. Yeah. Zachary is on a roll here. Uh, she just recently had the Queenmaker documentary that I talked about on Hulu also. So right. good for her. All right. So that's the stroll coming up on Max uh, June 21st. Number eight. Um, Number eight. CNN. Did you read the uh, novel-length uh, feature about Chris Licht in The Atlantic? Yes. Thank yes. you for sending it to me. I, you know, refuse to read books out of some weird principle, but that was the, I was glued to every word. Tell me all, tell everyone all about it. CNN is in the news because of this, 15,000 word, 50 page profile of the CNN boss, Chris Licht. And um, what an extraordinary piece of writing. And also what a complete disaster because you, you can't, your network is already struggling. You're already dealing with huge amounts of bad PR. And then it turns out you for the better part of a year, been giving these incredibly candid, unrestricted access interviews to this writer who then proceeds to take you apart piece by piece. Not in a necessarily bitchy or vengeful way, in a very clinical, just, I'm going to have you for lunch kind of way. (laughs) And I was just, I was like, I couldn't stop reading it. And he, I, and I think some fairly naive beliefs about what news is. I mean, the idea that there is an absolute truth is, is tough in today's world to actually claim that it's just about the facts. In fact, he thought that 
the way to deal with Trump was to just rebut Trump with facts. Well, if we haven't seen anything for the last six, seven years, we know that that doesn't work. And yet, so here he goes, he does this town hall and it's a complete mess and disaster. As if that wasn't enough, what the article shows is the way he put his thumb on the scales by knowingly packing the audience with um, extra Trumpy people. And then changing the makeup of the post-debate panels, like removing sort of anti-Trump Republicans and putting election deniers in. Instead, it, the whole thing is, I was sort of reading it thinking, is he conning us, like pretending it's all about truth while actually carrying out this right-wing, loony right agenda? I have been saying since the very beginning that it is an organized plot to destroy CNN from the inside out, that that's what John Malone and David Zaslav and Chris Licht are doing. They are all right-wing Trumpers, and they are trying to destroy CNN, the brand. They are trying to drive it into the ground. But they're corporate, and they want to make money. So how does what, what's the what's the big play for that? Do you think, James? I love your theories. It all comes out in the it all comes out in the in the taxes. I think right. It's it's a tax write off. I, I, I <laughs> there you go. I, I there you. Go. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There were two things that I thought were also damning. The whole thing was damning. But two little my favorite two moments was one. He lets the guy come to his early morning workouts with this uh, black trainer who's really intense. Who he uses as his one on his his one man focus group like because they're from different backgrounds and he's liberal and whatever. And at one point, because he's also angry at Jeffrey Zucker and you know, all that kind of stuff, he's pumping iron. He goes, and he's, and he's doing some incredible workout. And he goes, you know, you know, I'd like to see Jeffrey Zucker do that. Um, and then at the very end, the whole time he's creeping into this narrative is how David Zasloff micromanages him. And in, in the course of like the year he's been interviewed, his career, just the bad decision after bad decision, you know, people around him disliking him, no one trusting him, all their worst fears coming true. And, and he keeps relying, well, you know, David Zaslav says, we're not talking about months here, we're talking about years. You know, it's like, David's got my back. That's not what David and I talk about every day. And so it's like, oh, you just see it like creeping away. And the last meeting he's having with the reporter, he says, uh, he sort of, you know, says, you know, what do you think about people who micromanage Interesting thing is his like, whole approach seems to be very egotistically led. Like, it's all about him and not really about the organization he's supposed to serve. You know, he's like, you know, obsessed with, with Zucker, number one, but, but also obsessed with his press. And, and the way his trainers, you said, the way his trainer kicks him around that gym is it's like, what is happening? The thing I was trying to get to at the end was just the last part of the article was he's talking to the reporter. The reporter's like, aren't you just really like, is David Zasloff micromanaging? He goes, no. And then his his Apple watch goes off and it's David Zasloff. And he laughs and he walks away and he takes the call. It's It was just, it was brilliantly written and really sad and felt very accurate. Yes. I can't believe that Zaslav is even himself pleased with this. It's not a very sort of empowering endorsement of the whole management structure. It sounds and looks like a shit show. Well, I've got a question for you guys. Um, what year was the last successful World's Fair and the first ever in the South 
which happened in Knoxville, Tennessee, which happens to have really bad internet and be where Fenton is right now. <laughs> well, that's a fascinating teasing question. Thank you, Blake. We'll have the answer right after the break here on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Tom Campbell. I'm here with Fenton Bailey, James St. James, and Blake Jacobs. I am I've jumped in, in his host role, co-host role, co-pilot. Because Fenton has shitty, uh, shitty, shitty, shitty uh, uh, Wi-Fi service mm-hmm. at a hotel that we will rename nameless from St. Louis. But it, but we're back. He's here. He's listening. He's going to do his best. And Blake has he has a question that he asks us for the break. Yes, it's not St. Louis. It's Knoxville, oh. which was where did, in this year. What year is the question? Was the last successful World's Fair and the first ever in the South in Knoxville, Tennessee? What year? James remembers it. I, I I was there. I remember it like it was yesterday. The New York one was 64. I think they happened every four years. So I wonder if it's 68 or 72 or 76. What were you wearing, James? Come on, let's do this. Who performed? Yeah, pair of glitter, glitter tight, glitter bell bottoms. Bell bottoms. And and I could have any age. Uh, it was 1982, the great year I was born. I can't believe they still had them in 1982. There's a really good Simpsons episode where Bart steals a car and they all go to the Knoxville fair. Oh, I well, think it's going to be really fabulous. Well, yeah, it was 1982. There, The city of Knoxville website says it was uh, the 1982 fair was the last successful World's Fair held in America and the first ever in the South. Cities cost $46 million in bonds helped fund that 1982 World's Fair. So there we go. I'll just quote Sandra Bernhardt when I say, we don't speak of pavilions anymore, do we? (laughs) Oh, Fenton, you're back. Let me hear you talk. I'm back on a new device. How does it sound? Fenton, you're in charge. Right. Was I usurped in my internet outage? Was I usurped? (laughs) You're back. I was Chris Lichted. I was was removed. Hopefully. All right. Well, we're counting down the top 10 things that make us go, wow, we've reached number seven. Number seven. All right. Here I am talking about things I don't understand for change. But this week, Apple released information about its uh, Apple Vision Pro. Right? It's um, They're avoiding the term AI. Uh, they're leaning into the idea of augmented reality, or better yet, spatial computing. It's basically that big mask that you wear that basically brings, I guess, the apps to you. So, like, you get to see there's a camera shooting your reality, and you also get to see images that are your apps, and you can, I guess, play movies and do things. And it's sensitive to your eyes and your hand. And so but isn't this to... just Google Glass all over again? I don't know, but I want to know: is there an attachment for um, other things? Your penis? <laughs> if you're a male, <laughs> well, you want an augmented penis? Is that what we're <laughs> going for? 
Well, I'm um, gonna, I want to know what all the porn things are going to be with this. Well, that's the you, that was going to be the end of my intellectual discussion, but let's jump right there, which is <laughs> if this thing, because everyone's like, will it work? Right now, it costs $3,499. Now, I happened to be watching the morning news, which I never do the morning this came out, and everybody was like, oh, $3,499. It's like, Gail King, get off my hump. You can spend that. You know, everyone has to act like they're from, they have no money. Like, oh, that's so expensive. It's like, of course it's expensive. It's new. Didn't you pay that for like a new desktop computer in 1999 from Dell or something? Basically. So they all did that. And, you know, the whole thing is, and I was reading different articles about it. It's like, you know, will it give people headaches? Will it make people motion sick? Will they be claustrophobic? It feels like one of those things that is inevitable. Has the technology got to a place where people will, will use it. I'm not saying I want to use it. I'm just saying it feels like there's going to be something in this, you know, realm. Uh, what are you thinking, James? I'm seeing it, your mask is saying that you're angry. Well, we, 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 we're doing virtual reality since, you know, the, the nineties. I mean, it's not new. And but, like we said, like I said, Google glass, if you remember those glasses that were a huge failure, in 2012, was it when it came? No, out? I agree. But remember, in like two, 1990, 2000, I was at Warner Brothers when they bought AOL. It was all about streaming, and there was a thing called the Den, and we we're going to get all of our television and our media on our computers. Problem was, nothing could download. Nothing worked. So it took all this time until it actually worked. And the other thing you're talking about, because I I do think if it works for sex, it'll catch on. But the other okay. thing, uh, Tony, uh, they said on the morning news, which I thought was funny. It's like because it covers your whole face. How how could you possibly watch a movie and as an American and not shove food in your mouth? There needs to be like <laughs> uh, like a pipe for food or whatever Blake wishes to munch on during his Cheetos mostly Cheetos. What was that song that Jum- Jumanji? What was it, that singer who sang virtual reality? Virtual- oh. Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai, yeah. Well, but see, if you remember, they've always tried them, but like Thomas saying, the technology's not good enough. Like, I think Nintendo tried this even back in 89 or 90, but it, like, mm-hmm. gave people headaches and was, like, red outlines of stuff. That's right. You know, there was a time, there was a time when the, the people were advocating for video calls, and everyone thought, oh, that's never going to catch on. I mean, I'm talking, you know, in the 60s and yes. 70s. It, it took a long time, but now, like, we couldn't live without, like, FaceTime, right? Or Zoom, well, you know? I mean, are you going to be able to go to, like, Studio 54? Are you going to be able to go to, like, I mean, can you, what, what are the options? I think once that happens, you're right. Some people will care. I, I remember I, I put some Google glasses on it, some Google pop-up years ago. And, and you know, I got to go to the London Museum, and a fish broke out of a picture and swam down the aisle. It was fascinating, but I had no interest in doing it more than once. <laughs> Um, what's, you know, it's, it, I guess the interesting news, cause everyone's trying it is that Apple throw their hat into the ring. And the other statistic, which was kind of interesting was Apple hasn't had a big innovative announcement since 2015 and the Apple watch. So it's a different time. And the only, this will keep, uh, this will make James happy. Supposedly they're fixing autocorrect. So it won't change your fucks into ducks. So that's going to save you more a ducking, lot of time. Yes. Yeah, that's all part of the new iOS 17, I think. That should have been the headline, but everyone's talking about these uh, crazy Well, frankly, my dear, I don't give a duck. So uh, that's (laughs) Apple Vision Pro, available for $3,499. Wow, that's a lot of money, Fenton. That's a lot of money. 
in 2024. So I guess it's like, yeah, 2024. Um, let's move on to number six, James. Number 666, I feel, for this one. Number 666. Number six. Um, last week, we were talking about the A-list party at Cannes that David Zaslov and Graydon Carter uh, threw. And we were saying about the optics of how having a really lavish party just feels sort of icky and weird and gross. Well, this week, I don't know if you guys were watching or paying attention, but Jordan's crown prince Hussein married Saudi princess uh, um, Rajwa Al Said, uh, Al Thief, I think is it, her name was, and it was quite the to do. It was a very lavish ceremony at King Abdullah's compound, and all the royals of all the nations. Yes, yes, Blake. Um, is is there a top golf there? What? It was a joke. It didn't land. Sorry. <laughs> they can't all be gems. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody who is anybody showed up, and it, the the guest list was Queen Sophia of Spain, who I just love. She's just a lovely little old lady. Queen Matilda of the Netherlands, Princess Mary of Denmark, Princess Takamoto of Japan. Everybody was in their bed dressed and everybody had their little hairdos and their canes and their jewels on and everything. And I was thinking that it was really lovely and I was really vibing with it. And I was thinking, this is old school. This is how you do it. And Princess Beatrice, you know, of, uh, you know, the, the UK, she looked really pretty. This is like the best she's ever looked. And she did this wonderful curtsy to the new Princess Rajwa. And it was just, it was really pretty. And then all of a sudden, my Instagram feed is filling up with image after image after image after image. And everybody's, you know, gushing over the outfits and the gowns and the jewels and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, this is, this is how you do a party. This is, this is fabulous. Well, then all of a sudden, Ivanka is there with Prince William. Did you see the pictures of Ivanka and Prince William huddled in a corner together? And Kate Middleton is shooting daggers at Ivanka. And Ivanka now goes by Ivanka Kushner. I don't know if you know this. She has changed her name. She is she wants to be known as Ivanka Kushner from now on. Why? And, <laughs> yeah. But it she just cheapened the whole thing and suddenly I hated all of them and I thought it was just a disgusting display of vulgarity and wealth because Ivanka was there. But I was fine until Ivanka was there. Now what why was this party different than the, the can party? Because all the people are in your little black book? <laughs> They're all people that I love. Yes, Queen Sophia. I love her so much. Queen Maybe Matilda. it's because they're like actual royalty instead of like people that are richer than royalty, even like yes. And James, you love your international royals from obscure dynasties and little weird. Um, um, uh, Prince Carl from Sweden is <laughs> Carl Philippe of Sweden is just the most dashing prince of all. I mean, I do. I I love my royals, but they do it in a way that doesn't. They they're so accustomed to it that they don't. They don't flaunt it in the way that these young, you know, you're saying that white and David Zaslov's do. You're so. saying that white privilege looks good on them. 
It's and it's also old money versus new money. It sounds like it, it, that's that, that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. Probably is the minute Ivanka was there grabbing Prince William into a huddle, like it, everything sort of went very 2023, and it just ruined the illusion. I give it up to Prince William for being able to listen to Ivanka's voice and not fall asleep standing up. <laughs> she says nothing. She says nothing. <laughs> but there is you have, to, you have to find the picture because Kate is just she's glowering in a corner. She's she's in the foreground and she's just like rolling her eyes and you see um William and Ivanka like huddled together. It's just the weirdest, grossest picture. Oh my I've always well, liked I, that, Kate. Is it streaming somewhere, James? Where can we see more? Well, I think if you just go to um, uh, on your Instagram and you just look for the wedding, and you'll was, find. Was the Sultan of Brunei there? With the, with the Bruneians there? I don't. Um, Queen Noor and Queen Rainia were there. I know. Hmm. Um, I don't know about the Sultan. What do they do? They like talk about like different ways to clean your jewels and your crown and stuff. Do they just like do like royal? How would stuff? they know? No, they're all talking about like Coronation Street or whatever. I mean, like they're 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 the most boring people on the planet. They're talking love it or about, lift you know, it. Yeah, <laughs> international. All right. Well, thank you for that royal update, James. Um, number five. Number five. Um, also on Max, uh, currently streaming on Max, a movie called Reality, and it is not. It is not a reality show. It is the story of reality winner, which I've always found the most incredible that someone in this life is actually called reality winner. And I kind of need to know more about how that even happened. But um, reality winner, some of you may know, were when she was 25, uh, incredibly smart and used to be in the Air Force, I believe, but was working as a linguist. She speaks Farsi, Dari and Pashto. And she was had maximum security clearance working, oh, I forget, working somewhere top secret. There you go. And she went home after work. And as she's getting out of her car with her bag of groceries, the FBI show up. And this is a movie about that interrogation. And what's so amazing, and I guess apt that it is called reality, is that the dialogue, all the dialogue in the movie is merely the transcript of that interrogation, of that interaction when two FBI people showed up at her home. That is it. In order, not a word has been changed. That is the entire movie. She's not lip syncing. Um, the actress who plays reality is uh, Sydney Sweeney, who was I in... I love Sydney Sweeney from White Lotus, yeah. yes. Yes, and also she's been in Euphoria. Then She's not lip syncing but the, they are acting out an exact transcript of this interrogation. And the reason they're there interrogating her, not a spoiler alert, is because she was suspected of mishandling classified information, which would be a violation of the 1917 Espionage Act, which, by the way, is exactly why the FBI showed up at Mar-a-Lago. Um, unlike Trump, uh, reality winner was uh, sent to jail for five years, which is the longest sentence ever given for for that crime. And what she did was 
she printed out an article she saw on her computer and sent up about Russian interference in the 2016 election and sent it off to The Intercept. And that's, that, that was it. But I got to tell you, after that very long-winded description, none of it does justice to the, the brilliance of this movie. It was originally a play. Um, Tina Satter, who directed the movie and adapted it, she also staged the play. I mean, I was going to say she wrote the play, but I guess she did write the play. But the play itself was also the transcript of the interrogation. But the acting is so good. And it's, you realize, you know, that's the genius of Unscripted. But because she's, it's really what she said. And it's really what they said. And you realize sometimes that scripted is everything's been contrived and put into a narrative arc and there's dramatic moments or there's moments where the character says, woe is me, or tells you what they're thinking. None of that happens. You are literally dumped in to the beginning of this thing. You have to figure it out as it's going along. And it's so good. And it's minimal. There's basically one set. It's her house. Uh, they have a, a couple of flashbacks to her work. Oh, and the other thing is part of the transcript has been redacted. And what they do for the redactions is the camera just stays where it is and she just disappears from the screen and then comes back oh. mid-sentence. It's genius. It is so good. So if you have a chance to watch it, I, I think you... And it stars Sidney so Sweeney as reality, right? Yes. I, I did not see her in, in uh, Euphoria, but I loved her in White Lotus the first season. She has such a great... Uh, face and she she conveys so much with her face yes she and in this she comes across as guileless i mean it's it's really masterful i i james are you gonna watch it i will i will i'll watch it this weekend all right um that is uh reality streaming on max let's take a quick break drag race mexico with hosts valentina and lalita banana premieres june 22nd worldwide um on wow presents plus except uh, uh, in Mexico, where it's on Paramount Plus. Um, Wowpresentsplus.com. I mean, it's a really great uh, season. All right. Uh, Blake, do you have a question for us? I do, I do. Um, you were talking that reality, the movie you watched on Max, was a play. So here's a good question. With all the book banning and such going on, I thought this may be a fun question, too. What were the number one play and the number one musical that high school students most performed for school plays this year? All right, we'll have the answer right after the break. I still feel I should know the answer. But anyway, we'll be right back here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. Yep, and I had a question. Um, it's about plays for high school students. What were the number one play and number one musical that high schoolers performed in school this year? Well, I think the kids are still doing a chorus line, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> I don't um, see that on the top 10 list. <laughs> uh, West Side Story. Uh, Pippin. <laughs> I think no. it's something gay. like Fiddler on the Roof. No, it's all these like the rent things. 
No. Um, number one is the Adams family. Wow. Okay. A, that's a musical. I guess it's popular because of Wednesday. Number two, Mama Mia. Number three, Into the Woods. Number four, Little Shop of Horrors. Number five was Ty for Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid. And then it's got the SpongeBob musical. High Chicago school kids were doing Mama Mia. That's incredible. That's insane. And I want to see Nolan in Mama Mia. <laughs> the number one play was a uh, clue. Wow. That's hysterical. Yeah. All right. Well, let's carry on counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go, wow, we've reached number four. Number four. Lost a couple of great people who made a big impact on music this week. Um, Cynthia Weil. You know, remember, you recognize her name? She was with her husband, Barry Mann, a songwriting team from the uh, Brill Building days. They're actually featured as characters, and their songs are featured in that Carol King musical, Beautiful. Because they, they were uh, two couples that came together and were friends and enemies and all that kind of stuff. It's just hard to... I mean, I, I, anyone who writes a, a song, like one song, or make I, I love for the rest of their life, Cynthia and her husband, Barry, um, who were, were still together until she passed this past week, they wrote one song that you may have heard of. It starts off, You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips. You lost that love and feeling by the Righteous Brothers. That song alone, it's the most played song on radio, you know, bars. It was, you know, it was made again by Hall & Oates. And then, of course, it's part of the, of the Top Gun thing. But it's the most expressive, incredible song and the Righteous Brothers, when they first did it, there's two of them. And, and it really only, it, it features one lead singer and one person doing harmonies. And the guy who did the harmony said, what, do, what am I going to be doing? Mr. Wonderful is doing all the singing. And the, and the songwriter said, going to the bank, because it was a huge hit. And then, uh-huh. and then the other great song they did was a little song called Dunk, 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 Dunk. They say the neon lights are bright on Broadway. Oh, my God. Those are songs that, in my mind, have always existed. Like they came with trees and the ocean and mountains. It was first done <laughs> by, the, by the Drifters, and then George Benson had a real big hit with it in the seventies. But it's just such an incredible song. Cynthia always wanted to be on Broadway, uh, and that was a song from her point of view that they they mailed up for him. Okay, fine. If they did that, if they did that alone, they deserve a full segment on the show. But they also wrote, and in no particular order, "Here You Come Again." For Dolly Parton, you come again. The song that tramp that was that was her hit that took her from country to pop, and it's a song that Dolly didn't write. Amazing. They also did uh, Mama Cass Elliott's "Make Your Own Kind of Music," "Sing Your Own Special Song." Yes, which is getting come being used in a lot of movies. Then some sappy stuff, but stuff I love, like Sergio Mendez, "Never Gonna Let You Go." Gonna gonna hold you in my arms forever. Thank you. And then, and then, a couple of Linda Ronstadt songs, "Somewhere Out There" with James Ingram. Somewhere out there, beneath a pale moonlight, someone's thinking. And the idea, and even though I know how very far apart we are, it helps to think we're sleeping underneath the same big star. Oh my God, I cry when I think of that. Um, and they also did um, a song called Don't Know Much. Heard that with Aaron Neville and Linda Ronstadt. Don't know much, much but I know, know I love, love you. you. 
And those lyrics is like, look at this face. I know the years are showing. <laughs> look, look at this at face. The he was the ugliest man on the planet. <laughs> I still don't know where it's going. I don't know how much, but I know I love you. Okay. And then um, many, many, many more hits. But she also wrote Edie Gourmet, my favorites, only top 10 hit. Blame it on the bossa nova with its magic spell. <laughs> and within within two two verses and three choruses in bossa nova, she goes from meeting a guy to dance to dance the bossa nova to getting married. That's that's when songs are songs. <laughs> and, and that's my segue to number three. We lost Astrid Gilberto, who was the female singer. She's married to Joao Gilberto, and with Stan Getz, she uh, recorded. Uh, La, 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 the girl from Empanema. Yeah. Each one she passes goes. I didn't discover that song. That was from it was recorded in 1963, the same year I was born. But I used to get all these rhino tapes and things. And the first time I listened to that album must have been in the late 80s, early early 90s. I just dropped my knees. It's such a beautiful <laughs> song. So you never heard "Girl from Ipanema" until the '90s. I never heard that. I mean, it's been covered. It's like next to yesterday. It's the most covered song of all time. But I never heard this. The 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 song. She's like English wasn't her first language. So it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl I thought that would have been one of your seminal song. You know, recording. It wasn't in my I. It wasn't in my piano workshop book in second grade when I had Windy Windy who's peeking out from under the stairway. <laughs> that was more of my thing. Anyway. Thank you for giving me the singing segment this week. I really appreciate it. I but have rest to say, you should sing more often. You have a beautiful voice. Like, oh. rest in perfection, Astrid Gilberto. Yes. <laughs> Number two. Number two. I have a huge, like like all of us, I think we're still in mourning or we have a hole in our lives for post-succession. And um, so I was very excited to read an article in the Daily Mail, which I never read, of course. <laughs> um, and it was headlined, uh, Summers with the Murdochs, My Succession Summers with the Murdochs. And it's written by uh, Petronella Wyatt, who I, I kind of wants us to know that she is sort of very connected to, uh, she's like some connection with, Lord, her father, I think, was related to Lord Longford, who was caught up in some huge pornography scandal, prostitution scandal in British politics in the 70s. Anyway, you know, they have a villa or a mansion or a castle in Italy. And, you know, one day the Murdochs came over. So it's a tell-all about her relationship with the real-life kids of succession, the Murdoch children. And we learned that um, they're very competitive at ping-pong, um, that they bonded over an apple fritter eating contest that ended with uh, James Murdoch throwing up. But after that, she writes, um, uh, the parents were really cross, um, but uh, opened a, a golden ticket to a world of Gatsby-esque villas in the south of France, private planes, uniformed chauffeurs, palatial penthouses, ranches, super yachts, and lavish parties groaning with champagne. Um, groaning with champagne. I love it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Groan with champagne. And as she says of Murdoch's penthouse on Central Park, that it was breathtaking, 
it shimmered in its glass mountain. I mean, they used <laughs> private private jets like taxis. Um, it just goes on and on and on. And I know she wants us to know that you know she knows, but she sort of, it sort of kind of reads like Cousin Greg's, you know, tell. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I read and, that too, and and part of it, she does. I mean, she also said they're human, which of course the Roys were not didn't really display m many human aspects that you know Rupert's actually right. charming I don't know there was some interesting insights into them too well right she was very much like along with the old trope this is a quote along with the old trope that money destroys the human soul unless of course it's in the hands of someone left wing like she's obviously has an issue with people who don't like gratuitous abundant wealth and thinks that it's a sort of only the left wing kind of consider it a sort of moral rot. But if they happen to have them, it, I, don't know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I will say this, I will say this, that I, I really believe that abundant wealth is the ruination of all of us and our nation. And I think it's less about Republican and Democrat and about abundant wealth. Cause I'm, you know, like, it's like absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolute wealth corrupts. Absolutely. I believe that. Generational wealth, definitely, yeah. Generation, right, because it, it kind of disempowers you, right? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't give you any, yeah. Um, the, the final line of the article I really quite like, she said, I never pass a private plane without wishing I was on it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, she works at an airport, so. <laughs> All right, saying it because it's important we're going to take one more break but i just want to say drag performers in the lgbtq plus community are facing threats across the country in legislation and that's why we've joined with the drag defense fund with the aclu um you know every little bit helps and the way to defeat these measures is in the courts and the aclu are doing excellent work to push back on this tsunami of legislation that seems to be headed our way all right, one more break, and then when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. 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 You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. We've reached number one. Number one. I think this is me. I think this is my turn. This is James's turn. Oh my God. Season three of Night Fever is almost upon us. It premieres next week, Thursday, January 15th, I think it is. June. <laughs> this is why James is not in charge. <laughs> January next week, January fifteenth. Okay, let me, let me start over again. No, no, we're not starting over again. We're live. <laughs> Tom has anyway. a hot out moments away. Come on. <laughs> yes, but it's a whole new season. All new people. All new fabulous um, downtown legends of the seventies, eighties, nineties, and beyond. I'm going to just throw out the first three guests: just Pat Field, Martha Wash. Kevin Aviance. It is star packed. It is really fabulous. We go into the 70s. We go into the 80s. We go to Studio 54. We travel around. It, it, I, it, Fenton, it has been a whirlwind, a roller coaster trying to get the season done, but we're finally at an end. What did you think of the season? James, as 
always I just show up to marvel at you and, oh. and just like kikiing with these legends of nightlife. You are so good. And, and Randy and I are just very honored to be included. But we sort of basically sit there and I go, and, and my tongue's hanging out because I hear so many stories I've never heard before. Um, because <laughs> truth be told, I've always been a kind of in bed by nine kind of person, you know, like it's all the well, it's funny you guys say that, but you you were there, and you and I I do value your input, and I'm glad so glad you are a part of it. Um, and I think people will be shocked at how um, uh, Randy in these first couple episodes is more um, uh, more engaged than I think he's been, and and all in all this, he and Martha really got on like a house on fire. It was it was something. They did. I feel like Fenton is using the I was in bed by nine thing as his has his blanket defense in case this ever goes to court for anything. Like, oh, I had nothing to do with James's shenanigans. I was in bed by nine. (laughs) Well, James, you know, you're not just doing a podcast, you're doing gay God's work. So bless you. Thank you. you. Thank you. But we do, we have we have some really fascinating guests, and we we really sort of go outside the box this time where we um we talk to um some people from the 21st century some some eight girls from the 21st century uh cat marnell yes. uh we do dominique echeverria um we talk to legends like larry t we talk to uh cherry vanilla i is who is a legend oh, that everyone should know cherry vanilla could be an entire her. season of her own you know yeah. yes yeah, she was the original punk rocker. She was a Warhol superstar. She was David Bowie's manager and lover. She's just absolutely fast. I mean, just really, really good. I mean, the, some of the guests are really going to knock your socks off. That's so, Night Fever coming up on the Wow Podcast Network very soon. We got the next. June 15th. Tom, on June 15th, Tom, James, Blake. Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for listening. Same plane, same time, same place next week. Until then, go, plane. Out do, <laughs> go out and do something that makes the world. <laughs> wow. wow.